This is episode number 41 of the Individual One podcast. For the record, individual number one is President Donald J. Trump. And I am your host, John Ziegler. We are broadcasting from Los Angeles, California and distributed internationally by the Global Story Network. This is the bi-weekly program which takes an honest and hard look at the presidency of Donald J. Trump from a conservative perspective because unfortunately no one else is willing or able to tell the real truth about him. Unlike the corporate media, we at the Individual One Podcast have most definitely not been compromised. Welcome to the program. Please subscribe, rate, review, and share it via social media. Follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at Individual One Pod. That's Individual, the number one pod. Lots to get to, as is usually the case. Still trying to get back on our bi-weekly schedule, which I anticipate happening uh, shortly. We will be doing uh, two episodes uh, this week, one today and then another one on Sunday. Uh, Sunday will be a little bit uh, just past noon uh, West Coast time in the United States when we'll be releasing episode number 42. Later on in this episode, we'll talk about the uh, aftermath of uh, Donald Trump's July 4th narcissism event, the controversy involving the U.K. ambassador Jeffrey Epstein uh, and uh, the death of Ross Perot and how that might foreshadow what will happen in the 2020 election. But first, I've been very much looking forward to speaking to our special guest today. Uh, he is a guy I've spoken to in the past, but he's been uh, been dealing with some very serious health issues and is on the road to recovery. And he has graciously agreed to do one of his first interviews since having a stroke with us. He is General Michael Hayden, and uh, he joins us now. General Michael Hayden, former director of the CIA and NSA, who worked under Presidents Bush 43 and Barack Obama, also author of the book Assault on Intelligence. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. General Hayden, it's great to talk to you again, especially under the circumstances uh, that you're dealing with. A lot of people know that you have been uh, essentially out of commission, at least publicly recently, because you suffered a stroke. Uh, How has your health been and how are you improving? Well, little by little, every day seems to be a little bit better, so that's good. But, but this is a stroke, and so I do a lot of work to get it better. Well, it's great that, that you're still back uh, out into the public discourse. I, I was concerned that we might have lost your voice there. Uh, we've a, a lot of uh, credible voices who might stand up against uh, the Trump administration have been lost in various ways, and I'm glad that we, <laughs> and I'm, I'm glad that we've not lost yours. Uh, so it's 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 great to have you alive and kicking and 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 coming back from that uh, stroke. And there's a lot of things that I've been wanting to ask you about. So let's get right to yeah. them. Let's talk about some re- sure. let's talk about some recent news, including news today that uh, Kim Derrick, the uh, U.K. ambassador to the United States, has resigned over the flap involving leak cables that indicated that uh, he had referred to uh, the Trump administration and, I guess, to the president himself as inept. Uh, What do you make of what happened there, and and what can we learn about how the Trump administration is dealing with our allies based upon this? Yeah, well, first of all, I know the ambassador. He's very good. He's good for the Americans and the British. Now he has to go. And that's really, that's really 
too bad because he was a good ambassador. And frankly, he was, what would you like to say, he, he told the in, in Britain things that they had to know. And so that, that's a problem not just for the British, but for the Americans too. But I guess the, the bigger issue here is not just his resignation, which most credible people seem to be uh, saying is, is not a good thing for anybody, uh, but, but also what it reveals about how Trump responds to these situations. I mean, here we have a, another situation where Trump is publicly attacking an ally far more vigorously than he does our enemies. Oh, yes. uh, and so can you, can you speak he to does. that? Well, he, he does. So Putin, North Korea, yes, you think he's, what's the word, he's on our side, but he sometimes talks about the other people. It's very hard for me to understand why he's doing that. And, and so I just think it's a bad thing. If you're and a friend of the Americans, you have to be worried about what's going on there. Can you extrapolate on that a little bit? Uh, why, we, why should we be worried about this? Because America, frankly, is a good country. It's, it's, it, and, and now there are a lot of things that are going on now. I don't know why the United States was doing that. And, and and the president doing all that thing for his, what, what, what can I say? He wants to be perfect, I guess, and he, well, he doesn't see things. What I, what I would say, he doesn't work for, with our people, with, with our friends. Yeah, in other words, our, our friends are our enemies, and our enemies are his friends. And it's it, 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 it true. It's very true. And uh, and let's relate this to what just recently happened, although we seemingly have already forgotten it, which was occur, of course, the G twenty summit where he was praising uh, dictators and tyrants <clears throat> on a daily basis, and then he had that special side trip to North Korea where he steps into the DMZ so he can make history for what reason, I don't know. What did you, <laughs> what did you make, General Hayden, of the President of the United States making a side trip to North Korea so he could step into the DMZ and, and, uh, and increase his friendship with Kim Jong-un for, for no apparent effect? Well, that, that, that's really that's the important thing, no apparent effect, because Kim Jong-un, is just doing what he wants to do. The, the president seems to be all right with that, and and, and our relations on the and that part of the world is is very tentative right now. Are are you sensing? Are you, you mentioned the word worried. I mean, as the former CIA director, and I, I know you still keep in touch with that world. I mean, what is your sense of what our intelligence agencies are are feeling and thinking about this bizarre reality where our our enemies are our friends and our friends are our enemies? Yeah, that, that, well, that's actually true. Uh, now, the president is the president, and he talks about different things 
So I get that, but I don't get it literally. Why would we do that? Okay? And, and so I, I think at, at this end of this presidency, either in two years or in six years, um, what will become of this to the United States and, frankly, to the friends who look upon the United States as something, well, better than that? So you think, General Hayden, that our standing in the world that we've enjoyed for basically a century is really at stake here, is in grave jeopardy based upon what happens? No, 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 no question about it. And statistically, it is, it is absolutely proven. We know that that is happening. How do we, how do we know that, General Hayden? We, we, we go the... the um, People around the world speak about us, the Americans. I, I have a lot of friends overseas, and simply say that they say, "What, what are, what, what, what are you going on? Uh, we have not seen that before." And so, yeah, I fear, with one term that might be all right, but two terms might be really, really destructive. Yeah, I agree with you, uh, General Hayden. Uh, let's talk about some other news before. I, I do want to get to the Mueller report, since we've not spoken to you since that came out. But there, there was some news that was at least related uh, somewhat uh, to the Mueller report uh, that came out yesterday. A Yahoo report indicated that the entire Seth Rich conspiracy, this is the conspiracy theory that somehow the DNC right. uh, worker Seth Rich was uh, assassinated in some sort of a plot to I get I don't even I don't even fully understand the theory so I'm not going to articulate it other than I, I know that it's crazy uh, that this crazy conspiracy theory that was put forward by elements of the Trump campaign and by Fox News Channel was yeah. actually originated by as an, a, a Russian operation. What was your reaction yeah. to that story? <clears throat> I, I I completely agree to that. I I can see different things that tell me that that's absolutely true. And now the Russians did it. But really, we did it ourselves. The American people. Fox News, Fox News, and the alt-right did that. And it's simply not true. And yet um, many Americans believe that. It's really hard for me to understand. How much... Does that tell us, though, General Hayden, about the level of influence that Russia tried to use to impact both our election and the aftermath of the election and the narrative surrounding? I mean, that sounds like a very sophisticated operation that you wouldn't just engage in as a lark, that this this is this is serious all business. True. All, all true. That, that's correct. And what the Russians have done is really, really bad. But the real problem is not the Russians. It's, it's us. And what we, well, we, we describe of Americans really in a really bad way. 
What, what do you mean by that? It's, it's not really the Russians, it's us. What do, what do you mean by that, General Hayden? Because you, you go out there and talk Fox News and the alt-right, and millions of Americans believe this stuff. And it's not true, but yet they still believe it. So in other that words... a problem for me, not the Russians. So in other words, what you're saying is the Russians tried to do this, but they were only successful because our own media. Exactly right. It's exactly right. Thank, thank you for describing that. that. That is correct. Now, do you think that it is possible that that's more than a coincidence? Do you think it's possible that either wittingly or unwittingly, those media forces were part of this operation? Uh, you know, that's a great question. I tried to describe that in a series of op-eds, and, and I don't know that the Russians or the, the Americans, the alt-right and other people, uh, are communists, I don't know, or, or any means of that, and yet they do things that are complementary to themselves. And so that's that, that, that is the question. See, to me, I guess what I go back to, and you would know this far better than me, obviously, is you being a, the former director of the CIA and NSA. I'm amazed at how sophisticated and knowledgeable of American culture the Russian efforts appear to have been, both with regard to the Seth Rich situation and also, for instance, in the targeting of the right states during the election, Wisconsin, Michigan, right. Pennsylvania, and, and, and also the fact that their strategy appeared to have been during the, the election to suppress Hillary's vote, which was exactly Steve Bannon's theory of the campaign, which he st he stated publicly. Those seem to be enormous a, a, a number of coincidences to me, General Hayden, or are the Russians just that sophisticated and just that knowledgeable? Let me say that the Russians are good, but frankly, not the Russians, but the Americans. And what, I, what, 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 what happens is the Americans are so What's the right word? That people are, well, we have a problem. All right? The Russians, yes, that's true. But really, it's the Americans that are problematic. And unfortunately, that's an American problem, not the Russians. But do you think, General Hayden, that the Russians are capable of being this knowledgeable and sophisticated on their own without any American of help? Of course. They're a good agency. And so... Where's the problem? Not the Russians. Where's the problem? All right, General Hayden, let's talk specifically about the Mueller report because uh, we've not spoken yeah. to you uh, largely because of your health uh, issues since the Mueller report came out. It's now been several months. Uh, I have to say that um, when I read it, partially because I was influenced a little bit by Bill Barr, although I did not believe that Bill Barr was necessarily telling us the truth about what was and was not in the report and what its conclusions were. When I read it, it was actually significantly worse than what I expected, including... That's correct. That's exactly right. All right. Well, that's good to hear. So let me let me just finish where I was going with this. So in my opinion, it was worse, not just with regard to obstruction, which is voluminous, but I also felt like the argument for collusion, depending on how you define that term, was actually stronger yeah. 
after the Mueller report than it was before. What was your take? Well, I, you know, I'm trying to be objectionable. Or, you know, so I'm trying to read it. And so my sense is you're right, okay? Um, and when I read the part about that, like I said, wow, that's really not good for the Americans. Again, it's not just the Russians. It's the Americans' problem. And so there is a lot of, of talking about that. And unfortunately, we haven't done it that. The president has not done it. Uh, a lot of the, the Congress has not done it. And yet these are important, important things, and we haven't done enough to combat that. So just to be clear, General Hayden, I'll ask you more specifically, more yeah. clearly. So the Mueller report was was worse, significantly worse than what you expected, even in on the issue of collusion. Is that correct? Well, not 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 necessarily. Okay, I mean, I I have really studied that, and a lot of things make me, well, frankly, I I, I wish that wasn't true, but it, but it is true. And so, but a lot of things are bad. We shouldn't have done it, but maybe they don't meet the collusion part, you know? But it's bad for the American people to act this way. So when you said it was worse, or you agreed with me that it was worse than you expected, what did you mean by that? Well, it was just, it was just a lot of time. Again, I read the report, and I... And you look at that and say, for example, that meeting on Trump Tower, okay, with, with, with people in Trump Tower, um, okay, maybe it, it isn't quite a crime, but this is awful for the United States to do something like that. What was the most troubling or the most surprising thing in the Mueller report uh, based upon your analysis of it, General Hayden? Yeah, probably it's the second volume that shows a lot of looks like obstruction of justice in many accounts. Do you believe? Again, it, 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 I'm I'm really anxious to hear Bob Mueller discuss that. What do you want to hear from Bob Mueller? His his honest opinion, and and that might be hard because. You know, he, he, what's the right word? He's not a judge. And so it will be hard for him to talk about that. I, I agree. I actually think that um, a lot of people li- like you and me are probably going to be disappointed in, in Mueller's uh, testimony next week, but, but we shall see. Uh, do you believe that the second volume, the one you referred to, which is the obstruction of justice, do you believe that yeah. the, do you believe, General Hayden, that the evidence in volume two is sufficient enough for a bill uh, for uh, freedom to slip there for Donald Trump to be impeached? Uh-huh. Um. I, I, yes, I do. But that's a different thing than saying I want him to be impeached. Okay? I, I, I did. He's done some wrong, very wrong things. But I think this is best done by the next election.
So in other words, so in other words, what you're saying, so General Hayden, just to, just to try to summarize, you believe yeah. that that the Mueller report provides evidence for impeachment right. that he committed impeachable offenses, but that you personally right. would rather just see this go to the next election. Is that fair? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. You know, I understand where you're coming from on that, but here's my concern. And, and I think as, as a former uh, uh, director of the CIA and, and NSA, uh, you would have a unique perspective on this. I'm concerned about a future president, General Hayden, that that should they uh, engage in similar or maybe even worse behavior uh, with a foreign adversary, that by not impeaching Donald Trump, it would be far more difficult, if not impossible, to remove that president from office because they can use the Trump precedent. Does that not concern you at all? It, 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 it concerns me a great deal. But it is not going to happen in this Congress. And so get on with it. Go to the next election and be decisive, be decisive about that. Okay, okay but what – see, but – Again, to me, you're uh, you're allowing the the Republicans in the Senate to have what is yes, refer- I know. to have what was correct. effectively you're effectively giving them a heckler's veto. What yes. what what would be wrong with impeaching him for historical and principal purposes? And then if the Republican Senate wants to die on that hill and, and, and you know, make sure he's not uh, convicted in the in a Senate trial. So be it, but at least they have to make that stand publicly, and at least for his for history's sake, he was in fact impeached. What's wrong with that philosophy? I I, I understand it, and in 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 a, in a sense, that is true and and just. All right, I get that, but I'm looking at the what will happen in the next year or two, and I think frankly. The reason what is going to happen is the next election. That's what's going to happen. No, I, and I agree with you. Your political assessment. I, I'm talking about what, which, what would be the right thing to do. What would be the smart thing to do? I mean, maybe you're being just more realistic than I am. I, I, I am starting to accept the reality that. Donald Trump, although he should be impeached, will not be impeached. I've never thought he would be removed. But I, I just think that we're giving the the Republicans in the Senate uh, too easy a pass. For them to have this veto without ever actually having to exercise that veto, I think, is is wrong and it's and it's dangerous. Um, but, but let I, me... I agree. I agree. I, I don't disagree with, our, with your logic. I'm just saying that the best answer, I think, is the next election. Let me ask you one other uh, question regarding the, the Mueller report. Okay. Uh, the Attorney General, Bill Barr, and, and frankly, I, I happen to believe, and I'm in a very, very small minority here, I happen to believe the most impeachable offense that Donald Trump committed was the firing of Jeff Sessions the day after the election uh, because he refused to recuse himself from the Russian investigation, which then allowed him to, uh, to hire Bill Barr to do his dirty work. And, and the reason that the Sessions firing becomes impeachable is because we now know for sure, based upon Barr's actions, that he was hired for one reason and one reason only, which was to mute the Mueller report. 
Do you believe I think do, that's exactly true? Yes. You so you agree with all that? So then, so yes, so what? What is your analysis of Bill Barr's role in this? And was he truthful when he presented his his review or preview of the Mueller report? I I don't think so. I think I don't know him personally, but frankly, it's very very disappointing to me to act the attorney general to act that way. But again, the only thing we, we do now with Americans is a, 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 an election that changes this government. All right, a couple of more questions for you, General Hayden. Um, I, I, you and I have spoken in the past about uh, the Steele dossier. And I believe yep. at the, I believe at the time you, you said that while you didn't know how accurate it was, that it I think your words were uh, it read like our stuff. Uh, I think. Right. That, and, um, and and, you know, the, the Steele dossier has been used by right wing media and by Trump and Trump allies as, as some sort of uh, horrible thing that was the origins of a deep state uh, conspiracy right. against him. And now, just the yesterday, I believe it was, there was a, a leak. It appears to be accurate that uh, this uh, Horowitz investigation into this entire issue uh, interviewed Christopher Steele, the author of the Steele dossier, and found him and his information to be credible. Uh, and uh, this appears to be a potential blow if it pans out to this whole deep state uh, conspiracy theory, which, frankly, I think is as crazy as the Seth Rich conspiracy theory. Right. Uh, what, right. What, what do you make? I want to talk about deep state conspiracy in a second. But what do you make specifically of the, the Steele dossier and the right wing pro-Trump attempts to use that as somehow the the poison fruit uh, of this this entire tree, or that the tree itself is poisoned because of the steel dossier. What do you make of that? Yeah, and, and so again, we've talked about this before about the alt right, the, the media, particularly Fox News. They they say things that are not true, um, and, and so this is a common theme. Again, what comes back to the thing I I hear is that it's not the Russians, it's us that we're fearing. And so we have to, what's, what's the word, come to our, we have to go to our senses and, and listen. And if we disagree, we disagree, but we have a, a, a process of that. And, and right now, we don't have, particularly from the alt-right. General Hayden, uh, as, as a former director of the CIA, uh, you would have been uh, essentially the head of one of the heads of this deep state uh, can, <laughs> that is <laughs> yes, being, uh, being alleged uh, to be part of this conspiracy. Uh, just how, just in your view, General Hayden, just how crazy is this entire deep state conspiracy theory that the intelligence agencies were out to get Donald Trump well before he was even elected, and yet somehow never leaked any information until well after he was already elected? Just how exactly? And what was the answer? Was the president? What was the? Um, 
Hillary, not Trump, but by and large, um, you know, it, I'm sorry, it's, just, it's hard for me to say, but uh, it is so, it, it, I haven't, Americans have not yet, I'm sorry, it's hard for me to say, um, but we, we, we watch that every day, and I, I know that that's not true. And yet, there are people in America, some of them my people, uh, in Pittsburgh, for example, that actually believe that. And what can I say to them to make it better? And sometimes it's not better. And so, again, once again, it's the Americans and what the Americans are challenged, not the Russians. Okay, but so, so specifically, can you give me an answer to just how crazy is the deep state conspiracy theory against Donald Trump? It, 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 it's crazy. Okay, I, I've, I've done a lot of work. I've done uh, different things to talk about it. And it's not, it, 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 it's just not possible. And, and yet, um, a lot of Americans, What you said, it's just not possible. Why can you explain to the average person, as a former director of the CIA, why the deep state conspiracy theory is just not possible? Well, look, there are things. How do, how do I put this? Um, I look at this, and you know, many people make mistakes with regard to intelligence. Uh, I get it. Some of them are my mistakes. All right, but it's not for trying. It, 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 you know, and so we can have calm decisions and say this is one way or that's the other way. But people, unfortunately, are well. Just it, it's very hard to describe this. It's very hard for me to describe. It. Well, basically what you're saying is that people will believe whatever they want to believe. And if this makes them feel better so that they don't have to trust what's in the Mueller report they, and they can just ignore this whole thing, that's what they're going to do. I mean, isn't, isn't the deep state conspiracy theory just a way of allowing people to feel better about themselves for supporting Donald Trump and to ignore Robert Mueller's report? Yes, I think so. OK, but I, you know, what, what I want to do to talk with many Americans saying, okay, I, I think this is wrong. Let me try to describe it. And so I hope it, it, it can happen that way. All right. Last question that's certainly related to this, uh, General Hayden. I have to believe that as a, as a uh, lifelong uh, servant, uh, you know, four-star general in the Air Force, former director of the CIA, former director of the NSA, th- th- this really has to hit very close to home for you to what Donald Trump has done in his, in tr- his treatment of the intelligence agencies and the erosion of the public trust, at least among 
conservatives in those intelligence agencies. Can you put into words for us what you think it means and how destructive you believe that could be now and in the future? Yes. And so it's a very hard problem for the United States. And, and, and so we have to put the right word. We do. We, I'm sorry. It's, it's hard for me to say. Um, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm, well, how do you feel, General Hayden? General Hayden, how do you feel about what how Donald Trump has treated the intelligence agencies? Unfair, completely. And the Americans try to give the president the best intelligence they have, but it's very, very hard. How optimistic are you that we're going to be able to survive all this, General Hayden? We can, we can survive a term. Two terms, maybe not. We can't do it. Okay, I, I agree with you, and I, and I appreciate you uh, having the courage and fortitude to, uh, to speak with us about this. And, and I also uh, uh, continue to wish you good luck in your recovery from your stroke. Thank you. Thank, 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 you, you. So, thank you so much for taking the time, General Hayden. Be well, and, and please keep in touch. Okay, thank you. Thanks again to General Hayden for taking the time under uh, less than ideal circumstances there. Uh, Recovering from a stroke is not an easy thing. He seems to be doing an amazing job of that. It is remarkable, as I alluded to at the beginning of that interview, just how lucky Donald Trump has gotten when it comes to credible voices that uh, could be instrumental in allowing, uh, for instance, the Russian investigation to have momentum. John McCain is no longer with us. Uh, Bush 41 and his wife are no longer with us. Charles Krauthammer is no longer with us. And I really believe that General Michael Hayden, if he was fully healthy, had been uh, essentially keeping his powder dry until the Mueller report came out. And unfortunately, at that time, he was completely unable to speak. And now, as you can tell, is struggling to be able to do so today, but was willing and able to do that interview with us, and we're greatly uh, appreciative of it. it it's just in- remarkable. I, I, I have no, There's no greater meeting than, I, than I'm attributing to it other than just Donald Trump is a very lucky guy. Correct. Uh, because it appears as if, you know, he, he, his great genius, if he has a genius, is in picking his enemies, because his enemies are inept and horrible in many ways, and uh, on the other side of the political spectrum, and on the uh, his own alleged pol- side of the political cr- spectrum, the conservative side, uh, he seems to be getting very lucky with people either selling out, wimping out, dying, or in the case of Michael Hayden, having a stroke. Uh, but that's where we are. Uh, but I thought General Hayden uh, said some really important things. Uh, including, I thought it was uh, fascinating what he said and important what he said about the deep state conspiracy theory. It's crazy. It's just not possible. And he doesn't understand why people believe it. And he's the former director of the CIA. I think of anybody. And a Republican. (laughs) He's a Republican who has worked for presidents from both sides of the political aisle. And uh, if anybody would know that uh, the deep state or our intelligence agencies were capable of this kind of thing, I think it would be General Hayden. And yet he's unequivocal about it. No, didn't happen, could not have happened. 
All right. So I, I hope you uh, got something out of that. Uh, I want to update a few other news stories uh, during our time for this particular episode of the podcast. The last episode, episode number 40, I previewed uh, Donald Trump's July 4th extravaganza, where for the first time in modern history, a president of the United States was going to make July 4th in large part about them under the guise of making it about honoring the military. And I predicted in that episode that this was actually not going to harm Donald Trump. In fact, it might even help him in some ways because the left was going to overreact. And to a large degree, that's essentially what happened. I wrote a column about this, which I believe we've tweeted out at Individual One Pod that I hope you can check out because it explains in greater detail why I made that prediction and why I think that's exactly what happened. Because essentially... Because Trump is so untrustworthy, the left presumes the worst. They overreact. They say this is all going to be about him. It's going to be a political campaign speech. Then it turns out to be about honoring the military, at least overtly. And the left looks like it's against patriotism. It's against the military, which is exactly what Trump, or at least people around Trump, wanted to have happen. Correct. And so that works for Trump. That works because... His genius, as I've already just mentioned, is about making his opponents look bad. And I uh, am harping on this more than anybody else is by far, that his opponents politically are, at least the Democrats, are ceding things that you cannot cede to him 100%. They are ceding patriotism. They are ceding capitalism. They are ceding maleness. And yes, they're ceding whiteness. And in this country, against Donald Trump, an incumbent president with a good economy, that is very difficult to overcome in 2020. Maybe not in 2040, when the demographics shift dramatically in this country, but in 2020, in the Electoral College, not the popular vote, the Electoral College, that's a tough hill to climb. And if they do it, Trump will likely be reelected if they try to climb that hill. And Trump knows this, and Trump's taking full advantage of this. And that's what he did on July 4th. But in classic Trump fashion, the left was essentially right, just in a delayed fashion. Because while the event was not overtly political, Trump made a campaign commercial about this and posted it on his Twitter feed that was purely, at least inappropriate, if not in violation of FEC rules. You're not supposed to do that. No one in the past would ever even thought to have done that, to take a publicly funded holiday event that honors the military and turn it essentially into a campaign commercial with our tax dollars and our our fees to the National Park Service. That's just plain wrong. It's absurd. I, I mean, it's just flat out ridiculous. That, but that's what Trump did. And by the way, in doing this, apparently, the Washington Post reported today that the Washington, D.C. security fund has now been depleted because of this event that was not originally scheduled in their yearly budget. So, but Trump doesn't care because it was an event that made Trump feel good about Trump and allowed him to pretend to be a dictator, to pretend to be strong military, to be a manly man. And his base loved it. The event was not a disaster despite bad weather. The crowds were not as uh, minuscule as some had predicted, although I believe that that was Trump's own people putting that out there to reduce expectations. And how the media keeps falling for this 
It's just amazing to me. This happens time and time again, where on background, some Trump official will tell the media, oh, we're really scared about this. There's going to be tiny crowds. It's going to be a disaster. We didn't have enough time to plan all this. And that gets to be part of the narrative. And then everything goes off without a hitch. And the media looks like morons again. Trump looks good. And it's, it's a lot like, you know, uh, Charlie Brown and, and Lucy with the football. You know, they, they put Lucy puts the football out there. Charlie Brown's the media and Charlie Brown runs up, trusts that uh, the Trump people are telling the truth. And boom, she pulls the football away right at the last minute. And the media, Charlie Brown, ends up on their back. Uh, I'm not it wasn't a huge victory for Donald Trump, but it was not a loss as it probably should have been, because in a rational world, what Trump did was highly inappropriate, set a bad precedent, was dangerous and was an indication of why he's not fit to be president. Uh, by the way, I, 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 it just occurred to me as I think about how unfit he is for president. I probably buried the lead on what the most important thing General Hayden said, which was we survive one term from Donald Trump. We maybe don't survive a second term from Donald Trump. Right there, uh, that ought to be the re-election campaign slogan <laughs> for whoever the Democratic presidential nominee is. Because I have been as outspoken as anybody saying a second term will be far worse than the first term from, from a number of different perspectives, but specifically his own behavior. You ain't seen nothing yet with regard to him being unleashed in his narcissism if he can have a second term with no accountability and no concern about ever facing the voters again, no concern at all about his political party. He won't care about the midterms. He won't care about anything but himself with four years and no one around anymore to curtail him because all those people that we relied on in the first term to keep him in check are going to be long gone. So look out. Correct. Anyway, I, I digress. Uh, that takes us to, speaking of look out, we're now in a fight with the United Kingdom. And the U.K. ambassador to the United States, as I referenced in the interview with General Hayden, uh, Kim Darrick, has resigned. Why? Because there were cables that he sent that were leaked publicly in which he referred to Trump and the Trump administration as inept. Which, frankly, as other diplomats have said, is nothing in comparison to what the average cable coming back from ambassadors to other countries is in regard to Donald Trump and the Trump administration. But Trump got his ego out of joint because that's all he cares about. That's who he is. He's a child. And so he got in this big fight. It created a, a kerfuffle. And Derek, who is universally liked and admired, has resigned. And so here we are, the President of the United States, far more willing to get in fights with and criticize our strongest and most traditional allies, like the United Kingdom, and continues to coddle Putin, Saudi Arabia, Kim Jong-un, with nothing in return. It's really amazing. It's really quite amazing. We're better than that! No, we're not. This is who we are. This is what we are doing today. And I don't see how it gets any better, especially in a second term. A lot of talk about Jeffrey Epstein, who has been indicted, the billionaire, on charges of uh, essentially raping, at least statutory rape, although there are allegations of, of forced sex with underage girls. This has been going on for many, many years. 
Epstein was very close to a lot of very powerful people, including Bill Clinton and including Donald Trump. Donald Trump has made numerous statements very uh, much in praise of Epstein over the years. And uh, and there's a lot of speculation that he may have uh, taken advantage of uh, what essentially was a prostitution ring for young girls trafficking that uh, Epstein was running. Now, there's no proof of this. There's some anecdotal evidence that indicates, okay, I'd like to find out more about this. Uh, but there's no direct evidence of it. And there's been a lot of speculation of, okay, if Epstein goes down, is that going to bring down Clinton? Is it going to bring down Donald Trump? Is it going to bring down other people? I, I'm very skeptical of that. Uh, Donald Trump has shown time and time again he's not a dummy when it comes to leaving evidence. I don't even know what evidence you would have at this point. There is a woman who has gotten remarkably little publicity who claims to have been raped by Donald Trump underage as part of this, I guess tangentially at least, as part of this entire situation. Now, maybe that gets more credibility. I've seen it online a lot more in the most recent days since Epstein's uh, indictment. But whether or not that finally gets traction or not, I don't know. But I'm of the, of the perspective at this point that almost nothing we could find out, as pathetic as it is, as pathetic as it is, almost nothing we could find out in this area would dramatically impact Donald Trump. It's amazing to say that. It's absurd, but that's where we are. We're better than that. Uh, because we are so entrenched politically. Trump's base isn't leaving him for anything. So whatever that number is, whether it's 40, 43, 44, 45% of the electoral uh, population, adults who are likely to vote, that you know that's it is what it is that ain't changing because he's already presumed by those people to be a scumbag especially in the realm of sexual behavior even though this would be a new level of depravity it doesn't seem to matter which is frankly incredibly scary uh, but we're not even there yet we have no evidence of that it's just been speculated by a lot of people mostly liberals mostly people who are still <laughs> hopeful that somehow, some way, there's going to be the magic bullet to take down Trump, which I don't think actually uh, exists at this point, at least when you say take him down among his base. There is a, a more direct connection uh, to the actual allegations against Epstein involving Donald Trump, and that is that the labor secretary, Alex Acosta, was the guy who prosecuted uh, Epstein previously and gave him what is being referred to as a sweetheart deal. And he is being ripped all over the place. Calls for his resignation, including from Kamala Harris, a former attorney general here in California, who I, I'm not sure that that was a real bright move on her part, because I'm guessing there's probably a case in her history where she was forced to go easy on a really bad guy because of circumstances beyond her control or lack of evidence or what have you. And that may come back to haunt her in a general election against Donald Trump because the media is not going to look into it during a primary, not against a black female. or a, uh, That's just not going to happen. Uh, they're going to be protecting her. And so I, I think she might be running into a buzzsaw on this particular issue. But she's jumped on this anti-Acosta bandwagon. And look, I don't think anybody can speak uh, with, with clarity about what really happened there. I am someone who is very hesitant in these situations, 
to, you know, in 2020 hindsight, go, well, you shouldn't have cut that deal. That was all wrong. You weren't there. You don't know what they had to deal with. You don't know what their evidence was. He had a very high-powered lawyer, Alan Dershowitz. He's got tons of money. It's difficult to get evidence in these types of cases, especially back then. I'm not defending it. I'm just saying it is it is very wrong and dangerous to, in a knee-jerk reaction, presume that a deal that did require Epstein to endure some significant punishment here, uh, which is seemingly being lost, was automatically an indication that, the, for instance, Acosta was on the take. Now, there are questions about why this was done in secret. I'm all for finding out more about it. But the idea that Acosta needs to automatically resign as labor secretary is absurd uh, without with, just on the, the presumption that the deal must have been done in a way that that was not on the up and up. That's not fair. That's not the way we're supposed to do things. That's Salem witch trial stuff. And I have to say, Trump was right, based upon what we currently know, to stand up for him and not force him to resign, despite the pressure, of course, you know, the way Trump's mind works in these kind of situations, as long as someone doesn't admit guilt and as long as those calling for the resignation are on the other political side, he's fine with it. I mean, he actually likes that. He probably thinks more of Acosta now as long as he's fighting back. So I don't see the evidence yet. I, I get that there's smoke, but I need some evidence before uh, Acosta would be forced to resign as labor secretary now because of a deal that he cut with Epstein uh, many years ago. Um, but we'll see. I mean, if there is evidence of that, I'm more than willing to change my mind. We're just not there yet, and I get very antsy when things start to feel like a Salem witch trial situation, and I hate 2020 hindsight. A couple other things worthy of mention, just how pathetic we have become. It was revealed today that two online amateur meme creators, meme creators, okay, these are people, if you're online, you're on Twitter, Facebook, whatever, they, they create, you know, e either these images or the short videos that are supposed to be funny, uh, make some sort of political point. They're almost all bullcrap, uh, if they're pro-Trump especially. They're just designed, that's all they are, is designed to placate and incite the, the Trump cult. That's what it is. It's cult maintenance is what these guys do. These are amateurs. They're not paid professionally. They have no great expertise. We don't even know what their names are, okay? They go by crazy online handles. These two guys, apparently they're guys, because women would never be dumb enough to do this kind of stuff, <laughs> but I'm presuming they're guys. These two guys were invited to the White House and met with the president for 20 minutes on July 3rd. Apparently, Trump referred to one of them as the genius. This is where we are now. This is where we are. These anonymous crackpots who create memes on the internet are being invited to the White House and praised by the President of the United States as a genius. We're better than that. <laughs> I mean, come on. You, really? Really? You cannot be serious. But this is where we are. And can you imagine what it'll be like in a second term? In a second term without any fear of being held accountable uh, by the voters. Speaking of not being held accountable, I was disturbed, although on second review, not all that surprised by an appeals court ruling today 
that uh, ruled in favor of Donald Trump on the emoluments situation. This was a lawsuit brought by attorney generals of D.C. and Maryland against Trump's hotel in Washington, D.C., on the basis that it was disadvantaging other hotels in D.C. because it was in violation or Trump was in violation of the emoluments clause of the Constitution, because let's face it, foreign dignitaries were staying and are staying there because they view it as a way of gaining favor with the White House, because you're you're effectively directly putting money in Donald Trump's pocket by staying there and the D.C. property uh, which is owned by Trump. And I'm not even sure how he's allowed to own it because my understanding is the lease specifically says, this is where the old po- post office building was in D.C., the lease specifically says that nobody in a particularly high government position can own the hotel there. But So that's gone out the window. The emoluments clauses have gone out the window because this is as obvious a violation of the emoluments clause as you can get. This is a... a it's not even that indirect, but, you know, it's, it's as direct a way as you can get for foreign governments to pay the president of the United States. And there's evidence that they have gotten access in exchange for that payment. This is as swampy as it gets. But, of course, like Donald Trump, that's his M.O. When you claim that you're in your campaign you're going to drain the swamp a thousand times, people think, well, then... You know, he might not drain the swamp, but at least he's not going to add to it. No, no, no. He is the swamp. This is the swamp. It, it cannot get swampier than that. Well, an appeals court, basically, it sounds like on mostly technical grounds that I'm not sure I agree with, uh, not that I'm a lawyer or a judge, but didn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. On mostly technical grounds, these mostly Republican judges, in fact, I think one of the key ones was a Trump appointee, uh, tossed out. Uh, this lawsuit. Now, there are still emoluments clause related lawsuits in the works, but this one was a big one and it's a huge victory for Donald Trump and one that I do not think is based in the rule of law, certainly not uh, in the principle of what the emoluments clause of the Constitution was supposed to be. And remember when conservatives were supposed to be all about the Constitution? Yeah, that's that's pretty funny. Yeah, that was all just a kind of like being against the debt. That only works you're only against the debt and the deficit when a Democrat's in office, if you're a so-called uh, conservative. Uh, I mentioned earlier that the death of Ross Perot may pl- play a, a bit of foreshadowing, not his death, but his life, uh, foreshadowing for the 2020 election. I wrote a column about this, which uh, I did tweet out at individual number one pod. That's individual one pod, our Twitter handle. I urge you to check that out because it's amazing how often history does repeat itself. It may not repeat itself exactly uh, the same way in 2020, but in 1992, and this is what I wrote the column about, Ross Perot, who died yesterday, uh, a a billionaire businessman from Texas, ran for president. And he was doing exceedingly well in the polls. Now, this was a time period when the president of the United States, George Herbert Walker Bush, Bush 41, uh, had been presumed to be a lock for re-election after he won the first Gulf War. Uh, But then things quickly changed. Perot got into the race. Bill Clinton was the Democratic presidential nominee. It looked like it was going to be a very heated three-way race, which the media was thrilled about. The media was thrilled about this, one, because they love drama, but two, Ross Perot was going to run an independent campaign with unlimited funds. Well, guess where those funds were going to go? 
Hmm. Gee. Um, yeah, they were going to go to the media. Correct. And so the media was thrilled to have Perot in the race. And they were despondent when in the middle of the summer, out of the blue, Ross Perot decided like a crackpot to drop out of the race because apparently he got a rumor that wasn't even based on anything that uh, the Republicans were going to sabotage the wedding of his daughter. I mean, he was completely nuts. Ross Perot was a nut job. All right. And he had no business being president, just like Donald Trump had no business being president. So when the when he drops out, and I'm working as a, a sportscaster at a TV station, an NBC affiliate in Ohio, a tiny little uh, affiliate on the Ohio-West Virginia-Pennsylvania border in Steubenville, Ohio. And when he dropped out, I'll never forget this, there was a memo posted in our newsroom that we were going to have to cut back on spending because... Uh, the expected windfall from the Ross Perot campaign was not going to come because Ohio was a key state. It was expected he was going to buy prime time on local TV stations to do his song and dance. And now all of a sudden that's not going to happen. And I'm like, wow, I can't believe that our TV station just admitted that we're going to have to cut back on news spending because Ross Perot dropped out of the race. Well, it didn't surprise me when, uh, I don't know if it was a couple weeks or a couple months later, Ross Perot decides out of the blue he's going to get back into the race, which the media in a rational world would never have taken seriously. They would have dismissed him out of hand. Sorry, you don't get to drop out of the race and come back in just before the debates uh, and be taken seriously like you were before. No, you've disqualified yourself. There was none of that. And why was there none of that? Because the news media loved the drama. They loved the problems it was going to create for George Bush 41. And more than anything else, they loved the money. It was all about the money. And they knew it was in their best interest to have Ross Perot spending that money in the final months of the campaign. He was allowed in all the debates. He didn't win any states, but he got a significant amount of the vote because he was viewed and perceived as credible still, despite this crackpot decision to drop out of the race because of this crazy conspiracy theory he had about his daughter's wedding. He should have been at 0% of the polls, but the media cashed out. They got everything they wanted. They got Perot's money, and they got Bill Clinton as president. And that's how it worked. And I think we're headed for a very similar... We had the same thing happen in 2016. The conservative media sold out for to Donald Trump for purely business reasons. They were not in love with Hillary Clinton. No one in the media was because she wasn't good for business. And I think we're seeing the same thing in 2020, where Donald Trump is better for everybody's business. And you know who's really not good for business? Really not good for business for anybody in the media. Joe Biden. Correct. No, Joe Biden is terrible for everybody's business. He's terrible for left-wing media business in the primaries, especially if he run, runs away with the thing, which I don't think he's going to, because they want drama, but they also want someone who's exciting. They want Barack Obama number two. Joe Biden ain't that. He ain't exciting. He ain't new. <laughs> for That's for darn sure. Uh, and, and he's not good for ratings. And he ain't good for ratings even if he wins for anybody. The liberal media, they, now they don't have anyone to attack. They got nobody to create interest. Donald Trump is a ratings machine. The right-wing media is essentially an arm of the Trump campaign, and Trump is afraid of Joe Biden, rightfully so, because he's the only one he gets crushed by right now. All the polls indicate that. So you got all the media against Joe Biden, and now you got the potential of some another possible 
uh, Ross Perot candidacy, an, an outsider, independent uh, billionaire, maybe uh, Tom Steyer, the the former Starbucks guy, or not, he's not the Starbucks guy, that, that's the other guy, but uh, Steyer is the guy who's the impeachment guy. He has announced he's going to run for the Democratic nomination, but there's all sorts of possible Ross Perot's who might run as a third party and create another distraction. Who knows whether that would help or hurt uh, Trump? I'd, I'm not sure, but there's all sorts of scenarios where it could potentially help Trump in this particular situation, be, depending on who it is that runs in a third party. The bottom line is, though, that business interests are a huge part of what motivates the news media and what creates narratives that stick and what prevents other narratives from not sticking. And I think that's going to be a major factor in the 2020 campaign and probably play right into Donald Trump's hands. So with that said, we end this particular episode with the percentages for Trump not finishing his first term in office. We'll leave that at 4 percent at least until Robert Mueller has his say, which will be a week from today, at which point I'm sure I will change those percentages either up or down, probably down, depending on how things go. And I'm going to put uh, his chances of re-election at just over 50%. There seems to be some semblance of order being restored to the Democratic process. Uh, Harris and Biden seem to have had a little bit of uh, rapprochement. Some people have come to Biden's defense. He lost some support in the polls, but he's still leading. So it's not in crisis mode yet on the Democratic side, but it ain't looking good because there's a long, long, long way to go. And the earthquake tremors that we saw earlier are probably going to result eventually in a massive earthquake that brings the whole thing down. I think that's very likely, but I'm going to keep uh, Trump's reelection number. I think it was at 52 percent last week. I'll put it at 51 percent uh, this week. That'll do it for this edition of the Individual One Podcast. Please remember to subscribe, rate, review, and share this via social media. Follow us on Twitter at Individual One Pod. And until uh, Sunday, my name is John Ziegler. You're listening to the Global Story Network. <laughs>